with Jonathan, and it was only just after we were having a comment about the Germans. I was saying, you know, how it used to piss off the Germans and it suddenly went live, which is probably where it's just gone live now. So, <laughs> as you were saying, piss off. <laughs> this, this whole thing is going to be renamed to piss off the Germans. And if you don't know what the context of that is, um, PM me, or maybe I'll bring it in later on. So, welcome to another episode. <laughs> on main unstream joined um uh let's go that way joined today by my very good friend jules jules brooke from handy npr and she is the boss i'm oh, sorry she's the boss how are you going i'm i'm very well i am a boss as well or as my little thing at the bottom of my email says head honcho but it is the same thing <laughs> <laughs> love i love the head honcho tag you know it's um you. well you know you know uh, more than anyone that it was just like one of those spontaneous what should I call myself? Oh, I'll say head honcho, and I just put it down. Now people go, I quite like that. <laughs> yeah. Who needs the CEO crap anymore? You know, no, not me. So what 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 are we going to talk about today? I think I think um, you know, given given where you are and, and and the people in your community, it'd be great to talk about female founders and you know just oh, yeah. quite <laughs> hand on heart. You know, this is this is a very unfiltered conversation. I personally. Personally, I have the feeling that there is just so much happening at uh, in the in the female space. There's almost a degree of reverse sexism going on that we blokes don't get a look in anymore. It's like I look. I had that little moment when I set it up where I went. Oh my god! I mean, I I I absolutely loathe those men's clubs and things like that. So I get it. But on the other hand, I still think, but to be honest, that a lot of things are still men's clubs, even though they say they're women. I mean, I go to, there's a thing that Melbourne Angels, Melbourne Business Angels do down here once a month, right? So it's for entrepreneurs and startups. There's normally about 30 people there and I blow me down if there's more than two women. It really? just it just never chicks at any. I used to go to, a there was a thing called the Pitch Club in Melbourne years ago and they used to get about 150 people and it was like, it was like one of those multi-storey buildings, so they'd have everyone standing, looking over the balcony down at a, you'd love it, boxing ring where people had to pitch their ideas. I'm not into boxing. No, no, but, I mean, how boyish is that? Like, very attractive for women. Anyway, and you'd look around out of 140 guys in the startup space and there'd be, like, five chicks, you know? Like, it just, it, it, so, yes, I, I am very passionate about it and I have decided that I'm going to become a bit of an advocate and a big mouth about it. Yeah, I think I think when uh, when men in business stop being cuckold again, um, and they all want to get back to uh, <laughs> some semblance of, of uh, equilibrium with our female founder counterparts, I'll uh, I'll start up a he's the boss thing right now. It's probably a little bit too on PC, but let's. Uh... <laughs> I think you should. As well, well, I mean, the whole thing with she's the boss really ever since the beginning has been an absolute fluke. Well, of starting with me watching on LinkedIn and seeing a post by Aaron Young that said, hi, I'm starting a new TV channel about business innovation and technology and I need people to interview. So I go for that, not expecting to have an interview, expecting to have a chat and then set up a time for an interview. And as I walked in the door, he put the microphone on me and started interviewing me and then says, do you want to have a show? Do you want to co-host with me? So that was a complete fluke. And I was really, really lucky because I think I was one of the first two shows that he had on there. And then, um, and then I thought at Christmas time, I was out with a girlfriend um, around the corner at a pub doing a Christmas lunch because we don't have any staff, so we've got no one to hang out with for lunch. 
And I was saying to her back in the 80s, now I'm showing my age, uh, I used to do a boozy lunch every Friday when I worked in newspapers and we would go down to Breezy Joe's in St Kilda and there'd be a table that we'd always have and we'd just say, whoever wants to come and join us will always be there. And so I said, why don't we do that for businesswomen? And it's just, I did one post on LinkedIn and it went to six and a half thousand views and I went, ooh, I think I might be onto something. How good, by the way, are boozy lunches, and you've brought them back. I have brought them back because I've missed them for nearly 30 years. <laughs> well, I've been doing them, but it hasn't been. Anyway, it's amazing how many people started doing it. And then, you know, God love the pandemic and all being made into isolation. I know there's not very many people that would say that, but I decided I'd bring it online, and all of a sudden they're going, we don't want it once a month, we want it every week. So every Friday afternoon I now get pissed on champagne chatting with a whole heap of women. You know what? I'm not. I don't know whether you're the trendsetter here, or it was just sort of this global consciousness all having the same thought at the same time. But ever since, you know, I say I always tell people where there's a, where there's a you know where two lines cross, there's a they coincide. So that's the that's the coincidence. They, there's a connection, right? But since you started doing your boozy lunches again, I've noticed a whole bunch of stuff like virtual wine tastings, um, <laughs> bar nights. Like even I saw I saw an ad on, I think it was on Instagram last night from, um, uh, a post on Instagram last night from Furfies. You know, sorry for the shout out to the beer. Uh, total transparency, not involved, don't even like the beer quite frankly, but nonetheless. Um, they're doing a virtual pub night and I, I reckon, why I sort of stuck is I recognise the pub, which is the Art House Hotel. Again, not involved in the Art House Hotel. <laughs> <laughs> you have to mention things. People don't always think that you, you're associated with them. Oh, this day and age, God knows what people think. But then again, I don't really care. It's the other, other side. Yeah, well, there's that too. <laughs> it's, it's like, oh, I'm sorry. The, the, the most unfortunate thing about that comment is you actually think I give a damn what you think. I yes. was going to say, go and tell someone who gives a shit. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> so tell <laughs> Where do you where do you think is going for female founders now? Because like you got the she's the boss, you've got you know uh, handle your NPRs, which is predominantly you know female business owners. Well, it is, but it's weird. I was actually talking about this yesterday, and I haven't even talked about this with you. So here's a, an insight I've discovered. You know, Paul, you, Paul, you've been working with me for the last couple of years, so you know we have about eighty, or I would even say more than that, maybe ninety five percent women that do my courses, which is really weird because yeah. I offer them to everyone. But since I've gone really hard with She's the Boss and this is just for women, I've had more men sign up to handle your own PR and contact me. I got three yesterday with guys saying, oh, I've heard about it and, you know, what do you do? And so there is something weird that we seem to be by targeting women, we're getting more blokes. And I remember when I worked with a beer brand years ago, CUB or one of those, that they, when they brought out um, Blonde, no, before they brought out Blonde and I said, well, you know, why don't you do, because I used to drink beer like a fish, and I was like, why don't you do anything targeted at women? And they said, because our research shows that if you target women in beer, they don't want it. They want the beer that makes them like the blokes. And I just wonder whether something, there's some kind of reverse psychology with, right, I'm only going to do this stuff for women, and all of a sudden the blokes are all coming out of the woodwork. Right, three things I got to say about that. Firstly, Kiralee Valthorn, the beer diva, I'm sure she totally disagree with all those blokes out there about beer. Right? Uh, she's going to come on my show, actually. I know, I know her reasonably well. Oh, she, uh, she's really cool. I mean, apart from being a stunning looker, she's extremely intelligent, and what she doesn't know about beer doesn't need to be known. She actually, yeah. she actually a uh, brewer. She actually brews her own beer as well with a group of ladies, which is you know like real special batch stuff. 
phenomenal. Um, the other thing with the guys, it could just be that whole, oh, you know, what's happening over there? I'm missing out. I'm not allowed. Yeah. Being. Or I'm not let in, so now I want to go and open that door and see what's happening in there. Uh, yeah. Or either that, or have you seen this thing? I'm sure you have. I mean, my wife had to point it out to me because it just sort of missed my radar. Starting in Australia, everyone getting dressed up to take their bloody garbage bins out. Yes, right? I have. Yes, the garbage because because the bins go out more than us, so we've got to get dressed up to take the bins out. Yes, there's about forty eight thousand people following that page on Facebook. Right. Have you noticed the number of guys who cross dress to go out and take their bins out? I do. <laughs> So but we all know that most folks love to put on a bit of a frock and some, you know, whether they go down the, the lacy undies thing, I don't know. But the, I, I, I would challenge you to find many blokes that are aren't up for putting on a bit of a frock and, and some high heels for a laugh. Oh, mate, and not just during Rocky Horror Picture Show, right? Let me be honest. <laughs> <laughs> if you've ever been to the live, whether, yeah, well, if you go to the live or the movie, but especially the live theatre show, you, know, you can't not go dressed as Frankenfurter, for God's sake. No, well, I mean, why not? And I, I remember going to a New Year's Eve a few years ago with a moustache and a men's suit on. That was all a bit of fun as well. Oh, it's nice to be able to wear flat shoes when you go out at night, that's for sure. <laughs> Ricky Victoria, you could be Jules Julian. I could. I could. But I think I can't, I'm kind of like really owning this whole female space at the moment. I'm, I'm just loving it. And I am so blown away that there are so many Facebook groups for women in business meet-up groups for women in business, events for women in business, and there was nothing on TV. I just, I find that absolutely mind-blowing. So um, I'm, yeah. I, I, I'm just in heaven, really, at the moment. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I guess I guess the fact that mainstream is leaving that space alone to a large degree, unless someone really big does something, then it gets a bit of a, a little bit of a, a, an announcement, um, really works in your favour. Um, but also because I think, Mainstream TV, and look, and I don't want to be sexist about it, but it, and, and I have a pretty strong experience of it, is pretty much run by older white guys. And so what happens is, and I've done this, I've pitched shows to Shine and we've pitched shows to quite a few companies, and up at the top you're talking to someone like you and they go, yep, love it, what a great idea. And as you filter down to those younger producers, they go, we don't get it at all. Why would it, what's in it for the guys? We don't want to cut out half our audience. And you're like, well, you don't mind cutting out half the audience for all the rest of your shows. But anyway, and I just also think it's a great alternative from that stupid, um, I really loathe live TV. What's it called? Um, Which one? You know, They're asking me. All of them. Or just or reality TV. I just hate it all. Yeah. It's so low brow. I can't stand it. So I'd much prefer to sit and chat with people about what they're doing. I was extra in, actually an extra on one of those reality shows, right? <laughs> which one? Come on, tell us which one. Now, first date. Which one? First date. Oh, is that a reality show? What's it about? Well, it's about first dates, you know, real people meeting on a first date in a restaurant. Oh, restaurant. First, I thought you said first date. And I oh, was first, like, first date. Okay, yep, yep, gotcha. Yeah, the first date. So um, there's this sort of, they put together this pop-up restaurant, of course, because the restaurant doesn't really exist. And I think everyone knows that, so I'm not letting out any secrets. And I hope that my uh, my NDA is uh, past expiring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in any case, so we get two sittings, right? Um, first time I'm paired up with this lady, and then myself and this other bloke, we knew each other from other other shows we'd been on and done stuff on. And we got talking about business. Like, wouldn't it be good if, you know, we could just use the time to have a chat about business? 
So he came up with a suggestion. He said, well, what if we were just two gay guys? You know, because he was about my age. (laughs) (laughs) Two two old gay guys. So we went to the producer and said, listen, what do you think about us being two old gay guys sitting there having dinner together on a first date? They're like, yeah, we love it. I bet. (laughs) What we didn't know, (laughs) what we didn't know was in the second sitting, the one of the couples that was there were these two young gay guys. Oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> so they get sat right next to us. Right? So you have the old, the, the alleged old fart gay guys, us. Yeah. Two uh, genuine gay guys having dinner, and one was clearly the the the, late, the female in the relationship. The other one was clearly like the bloke. I, don't think actually, I just want to say it doesn't actually work like that, that there's always a female and a bloke in the relationship, but go on. No, it doesn't. I mean, that's and that's very binary. But in that situation they were. They had one who was quite camp and one who was quite straight-looking. Oh. Was that what it was, right? Camp is a row of tents, mate, totally, right? <laughs> <laughs> Lovely people, right? And I love those boys. <laughs> yeah, you know, my best Seinfeld you know, impression, not that there's anything wrong with that. Um, <laughs> but um, so... Where did it come from with this? Yeah, so um, gay first, that reality show, oh, yeah. Um, reality shows and that you were an extra for one once. That's right, yeah. So um, that was yeah, yeah, bloody awful, all of them. Yeah, they, yeah, they were. I mean, the food was good. Food and white was great. So something else I'd like to talk about is this hashtag no agenda. Yes. That you're doing and that I'm doing because I think it's really interesting. And what I think is happening is that by doing something between people in business and putting zero pressure on them to talk about business, I think there are so many events where you've either got people who've been told to do their elevator pitch or, you know, make sure that you announce your business properly or whatever, Um, and also there are speakers and there are experts, and if you're an expert, you don't want to devalue your brand and all of that kind of stuff. I think by starting groups between business people that are hashtag no agenda, you get more business done. I know it's controversial. But in my She's the Boss lunches, we literally, the idea is talk about anything you want. But if you're talking with people who have founded their own business, so whether they're male or female, that's our life. Like my mum says to me, I'm really bored. I don't want to talk about your business. And I'm like, I've got almost nothing else to talk about, you know, because I love it. It's just my passion. So it's really interesting, I think, because I think really good business conversations come out of let's not talk about business or you don't have to talk about business anyway. What, yeah. what are your thoughts? I t- listen, I totally agree. And, in fact, Jonathan, who was uh, on the mic with me yesterday with his no-fluff uh, marketing community, um, same, same I, I had to go in and check that we were connected on LinkedIn because he looked like the right colour guy. I like anyone that goes no-fluff. Yeah, you know, he is. He's an awesome bloke uh, out, out, in, out in New Zealand. Yeah. Um, Land of the land what is it land of the wrong white crowd I think that's called isn't it that's how I, I think it's long white but anyway that's right yeah sorry yeah no so I, I totally agree listen the, there's marketing business goes through these stages and there is I think we're in the era or the age of authenticity I except that we hate that word because it's been overused by people who aren't authentic but oh, I yeah. agree with you. Yeah. And I think it's going to be really, I mean, one of the things that I'm sensing, and you don't know till we're all let out, but one of the things that I'm sensing is that having snazzy cars and good clothes and wearing the right watch really isn't going to matter anymore. And who gives a shit about how great your house is? In the end, we're all the same. And there is something beautiful about this um, lock-in period that we are all the same. Yeah. But um, 
But yeah, I, I just wonder whether a lot of those people that have held sort of material things up as being something we should all aspire to. And, and you know, we've all heard those blokes that go, wouldn't you love to have a racing car? Wouldn't you love to be me on my yacht with my, you know, bikini women around me or my young wife or whatever? And I think genuinely that after this period, a lot of people are going to look at that and go, no, actually, I'm not in any way tempted by what looks like a really superficial and boring life where you're spending your whole time just trying to catch up to everyone and make yourself look awesome rather than just being real. I, I completely agree because 20 years ago, I was that guy. Right? Yeah. <laughs> well, and 30 years ago in the 80s with big shoulder pads, I was that chick too. Yeah. And, you know, look at uh, whether, whether people like love him or loathe him. Look at someone like Elon Musk who's just recently announced he's selling everything. He's not keeping anything, right? Yeah. Uh, including whose house was it? Someone's, someone's. I flip, I flip and flop with him. One minute I think he's amazing. The next minute he just, I find him so ridiculously small-minded. But anyway. Well, one of the things I do like about him is he is, uh, or he at least appears to be at the real. front of, he feels real. It appears to be at the forefront of ensuring that AI is not rolled out in some sort of malicious way, uh, whereas other people like Gates, etc., don't seem to have the same concerns. They seem to be driving forward in a different direction. So, and I think he's I think he's been very visionary in the stuff he's he's done. He's achieved. I mean, God, he's he's taken over basically space flight for the US. He's he's flying their shit up in, in into space at the moment. Um, he, he, amazing. he did the batteries, didn't he? Didn't, didn't they go ahead, I think, with the batteries for South Australia? Yep. Totally. Um, and I just heard recently, because for anyone who's outside of Australia reading, watching this, and I'm sure there'll be some, and they probably won't believe that our internet is worse, than, well, I don't want to say worse than a third world country, because I've been in a medieval village in India and had faster internet than you can get in the centre of Melbourne and, and Sydney. Um, that he that Elon has said he's going to put up a satellite and give a super fast internet. Like I'm a million percent behind that. Love what he's done with Tesla. Yeah. Um, and what didn't he invent the Segway? Was he something to do with the Segway as well? I'm not sure to be honest. Oh, maybe not. Maybe not. Yeah. Listen, the internet's not surprising because back in '94, I, I had a web design company in New York in 1993. When people said, "What's a website? Why do I need one?" And I was, was in London at the same time going, oh, there's a thing called email. Yeah, <laughs> really cool. I mean, I was I was on bloody CompuServe prior to the internet. And I was paying right. 400 US a month. CompuServe, before it had a gateway to the internet, before AOL took it over, we paid 500 US a month for the right to send and receive email. I mean, I don't know how many emails I sent, but sure as hell cost me more than a buck an email, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> People on Imagine if you had to do that now. I mean, if that's the way they thought they would monetize it. And they were like, every email that goes out, and you just think of all those multi-billionaires that would be out there getting one cent per email sent or something. Oh, totally. I mean, we, we sold websites, five-page websites for like five grand and stuff. Yeah, you know, yeah. People's paradigm was print media. I mean, you understand that whole thing. You know, and they, people say, well, how many pages do I get? I'm like, pages? What do you mean pages? And then we got, we got smart. We said, oh, um, you get five, five pages. per page. <laughs> exactly, right? And how long is it up for? We're like, how long is it up for? And then we got smart. We said, well, we'll keep it hosted for you for six months. Like, oh, <laughs> anyway, back in, back in 93, 94, I think it was 94, Al Gore, you know, um, he was traveling around uh, Africa. Right. Visiting all the dictators because the U.S. had actually put fiber optic or was laying fiber optic around the African continent at the time. Oh, I didn't know that. Hmm. All right. 
because one of the big things that we hear in Australia is it's such a big country, we can't do it. And oh, they've done it in India, and now you're telling me they've done it in Africa. What we needed to have in Australia is what they had in Africa in the mid-90s, mid early to mid-90s, and that is a whole bunch of dictators, right? Unfortunately, we're a state-run country with fed, federal government on top, but he was visiting all these dictators and saying, listen, uh, we'd like you to come over to democracy, and if you come over to democracy, democracy, we're going to give you free access to the internet, and you can give it to all your people. And these dictators are saying, "Well, why would I give my people?" It's <laughs> like because they're going to go online, they're going to badmouth me. And Al's, you know, big Al's message was, "Well, listen, your neighbour next door, we're talking to them and to the others and to the others around you. Basically, everyone around you is going to have internet. So do you think your people, if they really want to badmouth you online, do you think they're not going to dial in to your neighbour's internet connection and badmouth you anyway? How about you just come across? And he got a lot of people on, but that was um, that was mainly why that yeah, Be careful what you wish for. We don't really want dictators here. We've got it's bad enough as it is without having dictators as well. Yeah, but all the rest of the we already got to Germany. Come on. Yeah, I mean, that decision to put copper wire down was just so in ridiculously short-sighted. And really, I don't even, I mean, I think they're still laying it, trying to get it around. Like, just start again and go up. We just need a satellite or something. Yeah, but the, but the Australian government and the NBN are a little bit like British Airways with the, uh, the London Eye. Uh, they had a hell of a time trying to get it up. And do you remember Richard Branson? Yeah, I know. Yes, I remember yeah. that one. Sorry, contextually with regard to the London Eye, those who don't know, the London Eye is this big Ferris wheel in London, which you know, is one of these big, huge pod uh, things. And when it was sponsored by British Airways, I don't know if it still is, but when they were trying to erect the thing, they had trouble and it was taking forever. So Richard Branson hired the Zeppelin, this blimp, and he flew it all around London and he had written on the side, uh, BA can't get it up. Yes, I'm, I remember seeing a photo of the blimp, I think. God, that man is so clever with his PR. Like, he he, he just knows exactly how to manipulate the media. Oh, Very clever. I tell you, I guess he's, he's suffering a little bit at the moment, I guess, because his interests are mainly in transportation. He's just launched his, uh, his big cruise liner now as well. Well, yeah, and things like Virgin that he had 10% of in Australia, his last Virgin, and, and in England... You know, you've got the trains, you've got the Air Virgin Atlantic, you've got Virgin Mobile, Virgin Money, Virgin Duty, Virgin everything. Yeah. And I don't think that they're run by him, but I do think he's retained an interest in almost everything that's got a Virgin name. So, yeah, uh, yeah he'll be looking down the barrel of maybe his $500 billion going down to $25 billion. Who knows? Most most likely, but like Warren Buffett, he's probably not going to feel the pinch all that much. Um, but here's, here's the thing. So, take like like you say, he's, he's, he's brilliant at... at manipulating, using the media, getting great PR. So let's just bring something to, to the table for people watching this in terms of business. You're the PR guru. If you had to um, dissect how he does it, is there anything that you can take from everything he does that really just, you know, gets him out there, apart from the fact he's got, you know, Necker Island and his name and everything else? Well, well, Necker Island and his name is, is nothing to do with his PR. I think he he genuinely loves the spotlight on himself. He, every single time there is an opening of an envelope, basically that's got the, the Virgin logo on it, he goes. So I think he's very clever that he finds a way to get in front of the media all the time. And I think he uses humour really, really well, uh, you know, in almost all the pro, everything that he touches. Um, but I don't know. I just think, I look, my gut feeling, and I'm sure this is, if anyone is listening to this, they're going to go berserk and perhaps you, but I think he's a really nice guy. Mm. I reckon underneath it all, 
he's just a really nice guy and he's nice <coughs> nice to deal with. So the media want to go to him. Hold on, do I need you a face mask? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I will have a cup of tea. Good for you. I think I think you actually with with the first thing you said, you probably nailed it straight in in, in one one of the primary things is he he loves he loves having his face in the media. He loves being, and not for any egotistical thing, because I don't get that that vibe. No, he does the dressing up as a woman. He does the driving out of, you know, whatever. I mean, he's quite happy to make a fool of himself. Um, and, and I think that that makes it really good photography, really good copy. And now he's got a high profile and he's still prepared to make a, a, an idiot of himself if it means that he'll get attention, then he, he's, he's just spot on. Yeah. But I just get that feeling. I've always had that feeling with him that he'd be a great guy to sit down and have a meal with. And there's not a lot of those really big billionaires or business leaders that I think that about. There's, you know, I mean, a lot of them are very clever and I'm not saying that they're not, but in terms of who would I want to actually sit down and have a meal with, yeah. it would be top of my list. Yeah, I, I think agree. It would be hilarious. And, and the thing is you can actually do it. It's just you just book a, a week's holiday at NECA um, yeah. and he'll be there and you sit down and have a meal with him. Well, so with handle your own PR, eventually maybe we can have a little meeting there and um, invite him along. Executive resort. <laughs> I thought you were going to say it at right now at this time. Is it a good time for people to be working on their reputations and actually doing PR? That would be a really good conversation for us to have because what I keep seeing is big companies and small companies, but just hiding themselves through this period. They're like, I don't know what to say. I, haven't, I don't know what, whether I'd say something that would upset people. So I'm not going to say anything at all. And what's going to happen is we're all going to come out of this and we'll have forgotten half of the big companies that we used to think were terrific because they just have disappeared. Yeah, absolutely. So that's a good segue into that conversation. Thank you for that. But <laughs> <laughs> and you're absolutely um, right. TV for a while now, hun. <laughs> But and you're absolutely right. Like you know, um, so again, you know, people don't have that Branson attitude of love being in front of the camera, love you know just giving and all the rest of it. And oh, and they and they are hiding away. Yet and yet, stories need to be written every day. News articles need to appear on television, on radio every day. Where in hell's name do you think people get the articles? Because all the PR agencies will have closed their doors. They can't keep going. Half their clients, I've got a brother who has a big ad agency, at least half the clients have all walked away and said, um, you know, we can't afford it at the moment. We, we need to re-strategize or, you know, we haven't got any staff here. And as my brother actually very pertinently put it, he said, you can't advertise something if the doors are shut, which is true. Um, but in general, you could be PRing it. You could be putting out your expertise and you could, and sorry, what I was going to say in terms of the content is so the media now has got, because everyone's sitting around bored at home, they're on everything. They're, the social media is two, if not three times as, as big for the audience, you know, TV, all the rest of it. And they've got half the content coming in. So there's a massive opportunity to go and get your head, you know, in as many newspapers and do as many interviews as you can because they need people to interview. Absolutely. So, um, in in terms of what what could people be doing right now? I mean, this is not a pitch for hand your own PR. This is just genuinely, genuinely. If you want to get your ass out of your chair or keep it in the chair and do something, um, and get your name out there still, and, and and get to the end of this thing actually with more than what you went into it. Um, well, what could be think, well, my strategy would be at the moment: don't be selling. Is my mm -hmm. kind of especially. 
not even trying to do it in a clever way in the media. What you should be doing is giving. And if you were to demonstrate your expertise, I mean, look, so the, the, for individuals like you or I, we could go out, we could be offering, I can, and I will be offering tips about why you should be doing PR right now. You could be talking about, you know, exiting your business or whatever it might be. Education, uh, polyamory, you name it, whatever. Yeah, yeah, the, the list is endless for <laughs> what you could be talking about. But I think the biggest thing is, as you say, authenticity. I think people are right on it at the moment. Um, and I think you look at, now here's something you never would have thought, that KFC would be telling people how to make their chicken at home or Subway would be saying this is how we make our teriyaki chicken. And, I mean, I've seen this. that It's happened. McDonald's has got has given a, a recipe for their burgers, whatever, and there are people trying to replicate it at home. How is that bad for your brand? Even though you think you've given away your IP, you'd go, so I could make it at home or the fact that it was fast food in the first place is that I can't be bothered making it at home, yep. but I love that flavour. So they're letting people continue to taste that flavour um, and then as soon as they can go out and buy it for a dollar or whatever, you know, cheap burgers are, then they'll go and buy it. But I just think that people feel I shouldn't say anything. Well, just explain. Wow, I don't really know what. I mean, one thing article you could be doing is what does somebody say at a time like this? Let me tell you what has been going on in my life. I saw a great article in Forbes last week and it was the top 10 CEOs in the US and how they're coping with the lockdown. And it was all photos of, you know, there's... Um, the head of, I think it was the head of strategic marketing for Facebook playing with the four children she's got at home who are under seven. <laughs> and of course they haven't got the nannies and all that kind of thing. So it just, I think, made it so they're the same as us. You know, there was a guy going, the highlight of my day is walking my dog. There was another one who says I'm on my own and, and it's very lonely and I'm doing lots of Zoom calls. But I would much prefer to read something like that about a CEO and, and sort of I get, get a, a taste of, what they stand for and who they are from something like that rather than some cleverly worked sales spiel that's been through 15 different lawyers. Yeah, to totally. They haven't said anything that might upset someone. Totally with you on that. You know, it's the, um, just because you show someone how to do it and they may do it you know, during lockdown, they may go and do it themselves, um, doesn't mean that they're going to want to continue to do it. Like, it's like, um, again, back to the early 90s, Ogilvy and Ogilvy took out a double-page spread in the New York Times and they detailed how to write a media release, press release, all right? Well, how, Ogilvy, or was it how to write an ad? Uh, it was, it was an ad. Um, it would have been an ad. It must have been an ad, yeah, okay. Yeah. How to do it. Um, and all the ad agencies were like, you can't do that. You just cannot do that because you're going to ruin our business. Well, look, yeah. I would just show on their expertise. And they told everyone exactly what you had to go and do. Now, the number of people who went and did it, they may never have been clients, but some of them came back and would have been clients. And the other ones are like, geez, that's what's involved. Okay, um, I'm happy to pay up and do it. So that's exactly what you're doing. That's exactly what Mike, um, McDonald's and, and Subway and, and yeah. are doing. And it's, and it's, you know, be generous, show as much as you can, tell people as much as you can. All that happens, I think, in 98% of cases is people go, wow, that's really interesting and I definitely want that person to do it for me or that person to teach me how to do it mm. um, when I'm ready because they obviously know their stuff. Absolutely. I mean, I see, I see a whole bunch of people out there right now uh, basically going after a money grab, right? All this, yeah. you know, and, and 
courses that they allegedly would have offered for 10,000, 5,000, 3,000, whatever, all of a sudden going for $37. Like, yes, yes, bullshit. yes. Bullshit. <laughs> well, because somebody said to me, what I can't stand at the moment is all these courses that are just superficial level. So we know that you're giving it away, but you're giving us the shit, the stuff that you would be giving away anyway, really. What we want is something that's really juicy and tangible. Mm. And, I, you know, I mean, I've, especially in the women's groups, I'm seeing a lot of do you feel icky about selling is the kind of attitude that's been put out there. And people are going, well, no, because you're able to help someone grow their business. So why are you feeling like you have to discount it or you have to do whatever? I think you'd be much better off being either have this for free and I'll help you and then at the end of it you're going to go, oh, my God, I need more help and they'll pay or pay the normal price. But I don't see the point on... Of discounting or offering a lesser service because you're offering it for free, like yeah, you know, beats the purpose. I agree. So, how, how do you feel about these uh, about the the concept of um, give your stuff, you know, build a community around you by uh, gen just being genuine and giving giving away your 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 valuable content or your what you do, giving away your help to people, and building it to a point where you say, okay, listen. We can we can structure this in a better way, in a you know slightly better way or whatever, and um, we want to we want to convert this to a five or a ten dollar a month, just community based thing. How do you feel about that? That is the model that I'm basically thinking I'm going to do with She's the Boss. So mm. what I so my strategy at the moment is build the trust, build the love, build the community, connect people, and and offer a lot of value. So I mean, somebody I just put in touch with someone for a podcast has just told me that not only did she do the podcast, she's now got a regular weekly show on a TV, on a radio show as a result of it. So just helping people that way, <clears throat> I think builds trust, builds community, and then you don't have to go out and do that fake, and now I'm going to offer a special offer just for you, you know, blah, blah, blah. You just go, guys, this is what I do. Would anyone be interested in learning from it? What I'm actually planning in my group, and I'm only thinking out loud, but one of the things I'm thinking is, I have got these seriously shit-hot women. Like I'm talking women who have thousands of followers, if not tens, if not twenties of thousands, and saying to them, right, we've got all these women in this group. Who would like to learn from someone and what do you want to know? And then we'll just put on some, you know, maybe a free short half-hour uh, question and answer or something. I love Q&A sessions where you don't have to prepare. Um, but do something like that. And then, you know, if you want to come and learn from me, now you know what it is that I do. I mean. I think a lot of people do want to know what people do, but they don't necessarily want to have to pay for the privilege. So, um, I, you know, and the other thing that I'm noticing is the referrals skyrocket when you're doing things for, to help people and you're not asking money. They're like, how can I pay her back? All right, I'm going to tell everyone in my group how amazing she is or I'm going to do whatever. So I do think it comes back to you in a different way, but I think it's a great way to build a community. Yeah, and build trust in that community. Yeah, and then and now last week I said to the people in my group, which is not a huge group, it's three hundred or something, my Facebook group or three hundred, but I got fifty people in two days by just saying, "Do you want to just go out and let your friends know that this is a good group?" And they're happy to do that because I haven't hit them up for anything, and they don't have to pay, they don't have to do anything. So, yes, yeah. you bring your own booze as well, isn't it? That's that's the yeah. life, isn't it? Yeah, and, and well, I guess and my idea will be that I will do char probably charge some nominal fee, maybe 4 or $9 a week or something like that to come to the lunch. Um, but I also thought I might carve that off and turn it into the kitty for maybe a real-life party that we could have at the end of the year and these people could all meet in, in person. 
So they're basically investing in their future party, which is a cool idea. Yeah. Not going down to, you know, I mean, it's not going to break one's bank. It's not going to make you rich. No. And, and I reckon a year from now, if I've been working with all these women and helping all these women and become friends with them, mm. and a year from now I go, you know what, I'm thinking about doing a course and I need you to help me get the word out, I reckon I'll have three or 400 people that will go, bring it on. Tell me yeah. what you want me to say. Yeah, I think I think that's a really good way forward. Um, and people who don't, you know, of course, it works really well for for you and for Handy Your NPR because uh, you have a product. There are a lot of people who've come into this COVID thing, uh, whether they're in consulting or when they've come out of a job and looking to reinvent themselves, and they don't necessarily have a product, but they have a lot of knowledge. Um, and they think, well, I can build a community around me, but no one, I can't have people refer business to me because I've got nothing to really no product to really offer. And what, what would you, I know you've given some people advice on this in the past. What have you said to people around around that? Um, I don't, what are you thinking of? I don't know what you're thinking that I'm saying. So you're talking about, so they build their community and maybe they're just an expert at something. Is that what yeah. you mean? Well, I'll give you an example. Okay, so I, I know there's, without mentioning names, I know there's one lady who was a, you know, is a phenomenal speaker, uh, consultant in that space. And she had a um, seven zero business business uh, doing speaking. Yeah. Uh, and come along COVID and she's like, oh my God, what do I do? And oh, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. So for, though, for her, uh, there's been a couple of things that I've done. One is that I said to her, well, uh, and I say this to all the speakers because a lot of speakers went into a black hole on this. And, and there's a, another woman in my group who runs she's called Awards Australia and she runs massive award events and that's their business model as well. And I said to her, why don't you start thinking about bringing those kind of things online and align yourself with people that, so if you're a speaker and you normally do keynote speaking for say, you know, Deloitte's and KPMG or the banks or whatever, yeah. why don't you think about the fact that they have still got the same staff that are now disconnected all over the place and, you, and doing Zoom meetings, why couldn't you run events for those people to bring them together, get an event planner to maybe send out cute little boxes? I had this idea. I was talking to someone the other day who's in the event industry and she's like, I don't know what to do um, because we can't actually, even when we're let out, it's all going to be social distancing for another year and how do you run an event that you normally have 2,000 people at or 1,000 people at where everyone's going to have 1.5 metres and stand on the dot. And I was just saying to her, in that instance, rather than aligning with the venues, why don't you actually go and align with the um, the companies like, you know, the banks or whatever, because you could put together a great event, like you could call it, we're going to call it the, let's say we do it for ANZ Bank, we'll call it the ANZ, um, let's watch a movie together, you know, company, warm, fuzzy, whatever, and send out packs to all the staff with a pair of PJs, a pair of slippers, I don't know, a sachet of hot chocolate or a bottle of bubbles or something. Those kind of companies have still got the budgets to run those events and they're big budgets. So why not think of another way of doing it to bring everyone together, you know, having something delivered to your letterbox that had a, a cute pair of ANZ pyjamas and, and, you know, I don't know, a coffee mug and a... I, I mean, you don't need very much to make people people feel special, but I think that's one thing the event industry can do. The other one, if you're a speaker, is go back to those people and say, I can't run the... I can't speak for you at your salesman event, but why don't you get all your sales staff together and I'll run a personal um, online Zoom chat and we can make it a Q&A. They can actually ask me questions and I'll answer them at the end or 
I'll just do it for your executive team or whoever it might be. Yeah, basically, basically what you're doing is creating a product. And um, give me one moment. Awesome. Sure. This, this is the challenge with working. Hi, <laughs> Queen. Loads of people watching. What can I do quickly? I've got a big problem with, with the, with, you know, the TV. Yeah. Can you solve it? No. Okay. I can't solve it. The TV is watching the film watching, and Google is right. making a Right. Bring your phone here, and I'll take care of it. Okay, so there you go. Challenges through. <laughs> you know what? You like that guy from the BBC, you know, who had the kids that ran in the background. Oh, you like teenagers, but they're walking around the other side of the table when they go past me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, he was waiting at the door. I was like, knock, 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 knock. I'm like, yeah, okay. Oh, no, I, I, I had to, otherwise, we'll be there for another 20 minutes. Um, there was I think, but I actually think this is gorgeous because I think another thing is why are you hiding your family? Why do you hide that you're real? You don't have to sit there with a suit on and pretend you're in an office. We know you're not. No. So if there are kids who come in and you're nice to your kids, then we think you're a nice guy. Oh, thank you. If you told him to buzz off, I probably would have had maybe not the same warm and fuzzy thoughts about you. <laughs> yeah, there's no pretense here. There's, there's, you have another, there's another client. I mean, um, does she ever get together? Um, not not Supercar Blondie, the lady who had um, the, the same idea as Supercar Blondie on Instagram. The car, somebody who sold car premium cars. Lady, the lady for the car. Um... So the one you were thinking about is Madam Wheels, I think, who does mm -hmm. the uh, Ferraris and helps women buy high-end cars because they get such an awful experience if they if they walk into those car places. And you you can do Quentin while I talk if you like. You know, like most women go into a car yard with 300000 in their pocket and the guy goes, where's your husband? Come back when you've got him with you. You know, that kind of thing. So that was what she was helping them. Is that what you mean? Yeah, it wasn't Madam Wheels on Heels or something? Not Madam Wheels on Heels. She was Madam Wheels. I'm just not sure what the other one that you're talking about is. Oh, no, Supercar Blondie's the, this, this, um, yeah, super. Oh, she, she, yeah, she, I've seen, I think, some stuff with her, doesn't she? Um she does reviews of cars and things, but yeah. she's a very sexy blonde woman. Is that is that right? So I mean, which is of yeah. course perfect for all you blokes that are, you know. I, it's funny. I don't need a really sexy guy to sell me a car, but no, it's no, funny no. That, that sexy women sell cars to blokes. No, I, yeah. I don't need a sexy guy or a sexy woman to sell me cars. I'm a sexy guy, but I don't need him to if I'm going to go and find out how far it's going to drive and what color it is, which is the kind of things that I like. Yeah, can I can I stick the key in and turn it and have it? Oh, back fast. No. Did you need to fix that phone? No, well, it was a tab and it was yeah, no, it's done. Okay. So whilst we were talking, I did it. It's just really cool. And I guess that that really highlights like this this whole COVID thing. There, this is these are the challenges that work at home mums and mind you, there are a shitload of work at home dads as well. Absolutely, there are. Yeah, right. Uh, I know a lot of blokes who are the one who stays home, takes care of the kids. Um, well, that's you at the moment, isn't it? With your wife out in the healthcare sector, you've become the stay-at-home dad, and what fun you're having! I tell you, it's amazing. <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm, I'm house husband, I'm a teacher, and for all those people who say that, um, oh yes, but you're not doing the same job as a teacher, and teachers do so much more. Let me tell you right now, uh, nothing personal against teachers. I think I think the majority of teachers are phenomenal people, but right now they're either either. The education department in New South Wales is understaffing schools and laying people off, and I believe a lot of the casuals have been laid off and only given a couple of days a week or whatever as opposed to their full-time thing. Um, but 
the, the performance levels of teachers right now are zero. I mean, they're, they're marking like a class of 25 kids um, where the, the workers turned in during the day. It's taking them two days to get back to them with, with returning the work. I'm, I'm sorry. Like, seriously? That's what they used to. I guess um, interesting that you say, and I'm not going on the defence, even though my kids' school is being amazing. But I, the one thing that, let, let's just make this a bit broader than just schools, one thing that has absolutely shocked me, and I'm sure probably shocked you, because we have been online and we have been running, I mean, we run out, well, you help me with my business and you're in Sydney. I've probably seen you in person three times in my life and we've been working together for years. Yeah. But I'm so used to all of that virtual stuff that it has been a real shock for me to come into COVID and realise how many people had no idea. And I would put teachers right at the top of that list. They're not used to using technology, doing Zoom calls. They're just, it's, it's, there's just been this massive learning curve for so many people. And because of the little communities that I'm in and we're all around entrepreneurs and we've all been working remotely and online for, you know, five, ten years or whatever, it has astounded me how many people are going, oh, I didn't know you could do that. I just had a friend around the corner who said I didn't even know that face what FaceTime was. And it's like, a free video call, you just have to press the button. Yeah, I know. It is crazy. So I'm not defending the teachers or anyone else, but there are a lot of people that this is, has come as a rude shock. They had no idea that this world existed. <laughs> I, yeah, listen, I agree. And, I, and again, um, the majority of teachers I know are phenomenal people. Uh, and, and I don't blame the teachers necessarily. Uh, I think the younger generation of teachers are probably more savvy with it. They're just not given the chance. And I'm shocked. I actually have a media release almost ready to go out about this. Uh, and no, that's not an agenda why I bring this up. It just sort of came to me that that's part of it. No, but you should send it out because it is an opinion piece and it's your opinion and there'll be people who agree with you and people who disagree yeah. with you. Because what, what shocks me, you know, quite apart from, from ScoMo offering private schools billions of dollars to reopen to push his agenda, right, what shocks me is the hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars being poured by federal and state governments into these high-tech schools, right? Just here in Sydney alone, I think uh, there was over a billion dollars spent across a few schools, and the school my son goes to, they're due to get uh, a couple, a hundred million or something, or a couple of hundred million to upgrade in the next couple of years, right? But like Parramatta, there was a school there, which, you know, um, what was it, some hundred plus million, another one was a couple of hundred million or whatever, to create these high-tech schools. We're creating high-tech schools, and we're creating low-tech teachers. I was going to say, the big thing, that the bit that they've missed out of all of this is they should have put all the teachers over the school holidays through programs. I mean, all the rest of us kind of work all year, so I don't understand, firstly, why they have to have that break, but they should have put them all through online learning programs. Mm. This is how you teach people online. Mm. Allegedly, allegedly in New South Wales public schools, they have. Sorry? Allegedly in New South Wales public schools, they have been doing some training or whatever. God knows what, because... You know, they put these they put expensive, like I said, high tech schools, low tech teachers. They put all these ex this expensive equipment into schools, and 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 then it just gets used like old old style material. So like they put this expensive digital interactive board in there, and and teachers use it like a blackboard. Right? Yeah, um, look, it's there is there is a total really disconnect. I mean, education itself, I think, is broken. You yeah. know, because there is a disconnect between what happens in the real world these days and what they're teaching and the fact that i mean i did a, a three-hour lecture for rmit yesterday and it was really clear to me that some of the students had no idea 
what I was talking about or had never been taught it before either. So I think there's a there's a massive disconnect really between how the world really works and what we're teaching our kids. And I watched what they're doing in Northern Europe, particularly in Finland and yeah. Denmark, <clears throat> the idea of choosing a topic. Let's say we're going to talk about Greece today. We're going to talk about the history of Greece. We're going to talk about um, the, the ge geography of Greece. We can talk about Greek food. We can talk about the Greek language. We could talk about Latin. We could talk about maths and how that came out of abacus. But, I mean, why we have this stupid way of, you know, reading and writing in really old-fashioned ways rather than engaging them on a topic that makes sense, mm. you know, that they love or spaceships and then talk about the maths behind it and the science behind it and the geography and the budgeting and business and just all the stuff. Yeah, totally. It's really I totally agree with that because I have that, I think, as you know, I have that education issue of Education 2050 now, which is around digital, you know, taking all those best practices from places like Finland uh, and, and wrapping that into a digitally nomadic school and focused on how will the world work in 2050 and bring that into education now. Because what is the purpose of education apart from to help children to learn and to facilitate yes. their learning? Uh, one of the one of the aspects of education system is to put children through a process where they can come out into the society and contribute to society through work and through other programs. The trouble is the education we're putting them through doesn't prepare them for society anymore. The, no. the, the education system we have is one of compliance and coercion and is designed for anywhere from the industrial age up until the current age. You know, well, I wouldn't even say the current age because there are things like I wonder if they take into account how much knowledge the children have before they even start school because they're all Googling. We didn't have that. No. We had to go and get an encyclopedia and open it up. It, now kids are so informed and yet we treat them like that, like we were, the naive children that knew nothing because we were only had access to small amounts of information. And now, you know, the kids could probably teach us. But, you know, by the time they get to year seven, they, you know, my kids... And I mean, a lot of parents talk about how amazing their kids are that they can create websites and things like that and do coding. But, you know, the kids know loads. I mean, my son has busy been baking bread from YouTube videos he's watched. He's making his own yeast, for heaven's sake. Wow, and, cool. and then taking the fresh yeast and knows that it has, he, he's gone and investigated what kind of flour is best because it has long gluten strands compared. Like, I mean, my God, he's 14. And he, no, you know, it, it's. I just think it's, it's a, it's a, yeah, just a disconnect. Teachers, teaching again. This is not attacking teachers, but the teaching profession, as it as it exists today, is making itself irrelevant. Because, like you said, yeah. in our day, you want to know something, you put your hand up, and you ask the teacher. You go to the Encyclopedia Britannica or whichever encyclopedia, and you'd find out. You go to the library. These days, kids go to Google. They want to find out something about space or the Great Barrier Reef or whatever, they'll go to nasa.gov, they'll go to the Great Barrier Reef website, they'll find right. out. They'll connect with the relevant experts on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, wherever, and they'll go directly to the source and ask uh, questions. I'll tell you, I've got a I've got a friend who's the headmaster. He's a very progressive guy, and he runs um, a school down on the Bellarine Peninsula that is known to sort of have, let's say, um, the, the children come from homes that are challenging. Mm -hmm. So he's got a, quite a wide variety of kids and a lot of them very disconnected and not liking school. And what he's decided to do to actually make the courses useful 
is he, and he's even talked to me about doing it a bit with mine, but he has gone to one of the unis, Vic Uni, and said, I want to teach kids subjects that will give them credits when they go to uni. How smart is that? So I'll teach them coding. You give us the basics of what they need to know. And we'll teach them that. And then if they complete it, they get given that they've got a credit in a unit in a course that could maybe take them on into further education. And I thought, again, how clever that he's actually working with industry and higher education to help these kids in a way that, you know, they're all being taught in year 11 and 12 how to write LinkedIn profiles. Like, I mean, that should be mandatory yeah. for the kids when they come out of school, but they don't They don't know. They have to fiddle around themselves. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think there's, lot, shall we say, lots of scope for improvement from from grade one right the way up. Yeah, well, it's, it's coming. It's coming. So uh, watch this space. Like I said, um, there'll be a lot more coming from me in that. Um, and, uh, again, not plugging my stuff, but where you see this, I'll put a link into some videos I created around this last year. Um, a lot of people think I... We need to wind up, don't we, if we're going to stay within the one hour? Yeah, we pretty much do, and I think we both have our drinks waiting for us somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't had anything to eat today. I'm ready for lunch, so I will. Uh, but thank you so much for the for the chat. I'm really, as always, I love chatting with you. So Yeah, like, it was, and I can't believe the hour's almost gone. Well, actually, I can, because that's sort of how it goes with us. Like, whoa, where'd that hour go? <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I would have said that was a 10-minute conversation that maybe extended to 20 and we've been going for an hour. Yeah, it's fantastic. Well, thank you for coming on and joining us on the mic and I really appreciate it. And um, if you want to connect with Jules, go to uh, Handle Your Own PR on Facebook or LinkedIn or just connect with her on LinkedIn. And, or Jules the Boss or JulesBrook.com or there's so many different ways you can get hold of me. Yeah, and if you go to She's the Boss and you're a bloke, sorry, no cross-dressing allowed. Uh, there may be a He's the Boss very soon and we're going to bring back a blokey, beery, boozy lunches as well sometime love yeah. it hey and we could also just do one for like founders or something and then it could be boys and girls that would be cool co-ed love it how how how, how progressive of you ah, well we could just do an on entrepreneurs with no agenda or something entrepreneurs ina yeah cool okay we'll do that all right yeah. well, i like i like main unstream i think that's good i think you should start a main unstream and then you'll get all the freaky people coming to join you people like us which we love i love freaky people and by the way you don't need anyone watching this you don't need to agree with anything we say we really no. don't care whether you do or don't and if you no. want to send hate mail send it it's probably a good indication that we're doing well excuse me and if you want to send fan mail feel free to send that as well yeah i love that too by the way it's not like i'm don't want to put that out there. Could you imagine all you get is hate mail? There we go. The US president. Anyway, um, let's not go there. Have a great day. Um, thanks everyone much for watching, uh, and we'll see you soon, Jules. Have a good one too, Don. Thank you so much. See you soon. Bye. Ciao.